All right, well, we're there in uh, Luke chapter number 18, and of course, we are continuing to make our way through the gospel of Luke, and uh, tonight, we'll pick up right where we left off this morning there in verse uh, number 31, and uh, tonight, we're going to see the story of a blind man. Uh, Before we can get uh, into the story of the blind man, there's just a few uh, verses and some doctrinal stuff that we'll deal with tonight, so we'll start with some just doctrinal teaching and then we'll, we'll get into the story of uh, the blind man. If you notice there in verse number 31, Luke chapter 18 and verse 31, the Bible says, Then he, and of course that's referring to Jesus, took unto him the twelve, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he, and this is Jesus speaking about himself, for he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spit it on, and they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. It's interesting that Jesus is, uh, as you've been with us through the Gospel of Luke, we've, we've mentioned this and we've made note of it, we are with Jesus right now on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to uh, die in Jerusalem, and as he's making his way to Jerusalem. He's been preparing the disciples along the way. And here we see yet another example where he takes the disciples aside and he tries to explain to them and he tries to give them a heads up. Really, he's trying to prepare them for what's going to happen. And he tells them that all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. And he's explained to them that when he goes there, he's going to be, notice verse 32, for he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles. And the term there delivered has the idea that he's going to be betrayed or given up unto the Gentiles. And of course, that's a reference to the Romans and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on and they shall scourge him. Jesus explains this to the disciples. And I want you to notice it's interesting what the Bible tells us in verse 34 about the response from the disciples. The Bible says, and they understood none of these things. He's telling them, hey, guys, we're going to go to uh, uh, Jerusalem. And the disciples, I'm assuming like many people, were probably excited about the fact that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Because we're going to see here in a few weeks as we continue in the Gospel of Luke that when Jesus gets to Jerusalem, there's a big celebration where they're saying, Hosanna unto uh, he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And they think that Jesus is coming to establish his kingdom upon this earth to uh, fight the Roman Empire and to uh, bring the nation of Israel back to prominence. And what Jesus is explaining to them is that no, when he gets there, he's actually going to be delivered unto to the Gentile. He's going to be mocked, spitefully entreated, spitting on. They're going to scourge him. And he tells them there in verse 33, and they will put him to death. And on the third day, he shall rise again. And, And then Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, tells us that they did not understand. They, they, uh, they understood none of these things. And the saying was, notice the words, hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken of. Now, let me just take a few moments to kind of draw out some things regarding uh, this text. You're there in Luke 18. Flip over to Luke chapter 24, if you would. We'll just go fast forward a little bit into Luke 24. Let me say, uh, uh, make just a couple of introductory statements. First of all, we see uh, the Old Testament scriptures is what's being referenced here. The fact that Jesus says, all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man. And Jesus is explaining the fact that the Old Testament scriptures are about the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The Lord Jesus Christ is the scarlet thread that runs through the entire Bible. The Old Testament is simply looking forward to the coming of Christ. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, explain to us or give us the account of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then everything after that is just looking back to Christ. The entire Bible is about the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke 24, we have a story here, and we're fast-forwarding a little bit in our in, in the gospel, but this is after the resurrection of Christ. This is after he's already died and been buried. He resurrects from the dead, and the disciples are in this transitional mode where they, some, they, they know that his body is missing. They've been told that he resurrected, but they're not sure what's going on. And Jesus here catches up to two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he's talking to them, and, and, and they're explaining everything that happened. And, and there's a big story here, and I won't take the time to go through all those details. I'll deal with it another time. But I just want you to notice in Luke 24 and verse 25, the Bible says, Then he, this is Jesus, the resurrected Christ, said unto them, the two disciples on the road uh, to Emmaus. Notice what he says. He says, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all the, pro- uh, uh, to believe all the prophets have spoken. Jesus says, you are slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Verse 26, he says, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Because these two disciples, they're all sad about the fact that Jesus has died and that he was betrayed and that he was tortured. And he's telling them, isn't this what the prophets said? Isn't this what the Old Testament's about? Now, I want you to notice verse 27 this is, the Bible tells us this is what Jesus did with these disciples, Luke 24, 27, and beginning at Moses and, at all, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them, notice the words, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So I want you to notice that the Bible tells us that the Bible is about the Lord Jesus Christ, and specifically the Old Testament. You know, sometimes people... Don't, they don't want to read the Old Testament or study the Old Testament. They don't like the Old Testament. But here's something you need to understand. The entire Old Testament is a foreshadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The prophets are speaking about Christ. And here Jesus himself begins, I love that verse, Luke 24, 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus went through and said, let me tell you about all the writings of Moses. Let me tell you how he was talking about me. Let me tell you how he was foreshadowing me. Let me show you all the prophecies of what happened to uh, me. You're there in Luke. Go to Acts real quickly. Acts chapter 10. Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 10 and verse number 43. Luke 10, 43. You'll notice if you've been with us as we've uh, traveled through the Bible and uh, over the last Uh, 12 years of ministry, I've preached verse by verse, chapter by chapter. I don't know, I need to go back and and, and look at the numbers, but definitely more than 30%, we're probably close to around 40% of the entire Bible that we've gone through verse by verse, chapter by chapter. But you'll notice that as we've gone through books like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, even 1st, 2nd Samuel, and Esther, books from the Old Testament, we are always looking for the Lord Jesus Christ in those passages, in those stories. Why? Because the entire Bible is the story of Jesus. Acts 10.43, notice what the Bible says in Acts 10.43, to him, referring to Jesus, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, 
Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. So here the Bible again tells us, to him give all the prophets witness. So we see, this is highlighted, that the Old Testament scriptures are about the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know that and understand that so you understand the context in which what I'm about to explain to you or teach you. Go back to Luke chapter 18. We see a couple of things here regarding the Old Testament scriptures. And what is it? What we see about the Old Testament is that it's about Jesus. He says, Jesus said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. In Luke, he, we're told that beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them, uh, unto them in all things the, the scriptures, uh, excuse me, in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. We saw in Acts 10.43, to him give all the prophets witness. The entire Old Testament is about the Lord Jesus Christ. With that said, let me say this. When we talk about Old Testament salvation, we've been talking about Old Testament scriptures for a little bit. Let's talk about Old Testament salvation. When we talk about Old Testament salvation, in the Old Testament, they did not necessarily know or understand the things about the Lord Jesus Christ. So even though the entire Old Testament is about the Lord Jesus Christ, we also need to understand that the Old Testament is very cryptic. It, some of the things are foreshadows or types or just prophecies of the Lord Jesus Christ that at the time people did not necessarily understand. In fact, Jesus himself, when he's talking to the disciples and he's telling them, these things are going to happen, I'm going to be delivered unto the Gentiles, I'm going to be mocked and spitefully entreated, spit it upon, scourged, put to death, and on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Now you and I, as New Testament believers, with the light of the New Testament shining upon the Old Testament, we can clearly see the types, the foreshadows, the pictures, the allegories of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, but until the New Testament has started in this day people did not really understand how it was all going to play out and for that reason Luke 18 34 the Bible tells us that the disciples and they understood none of these things and this saying was hid from them neither knew they the things which were spoken of and I just want to take a moment and again we're going to get into the story of the blind man and, and I'll give you some practical things. But I want to take a moment to explain some of these things doctrinally. Sometimes when we go verse by verse, it's good to stop and look at some of these issues uh, regarding uh, doctrinal issues. Because here we have the disciples who the Bible tells us did not understand these things. And sometimes people get confused and they'll say, well, were the disciples not even saved? And look, the Bible is very clear about the fact that the disciples were saved. The disciples believed there was one... Only one, we're told. The Bible tells us that Jesus chose the 12 and he chose one who he knew was a devil who did not believe from the very beginning. Of course, that was Judas Iscariot and he was specifically chosen to play the role of the betrayer. Now, when the Bible tells us that Jesus specifically chose Judas who did not believe from the beginning, what that means is that all the rest believed. The other disciples were saved. There's no doubt about it. Yet, they did not understand all of these details that Jesus is telling them about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the reason for that is because of the fact that Old Testament salvation, 
And what you need to understand is when we talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament, oftentimes people think that what we, when we refer to the Old Testament and the New Testament, that we're referring to the first part of your Bible, the book you hold in your hand, the first part and the second part. Now, I understand that we call the Old Testament and the New Testament, we, they go by those names, but you need to understand, when we're talking about the Testaments, we're talking about the Covenants. The old covenant, the new covenant, God made a covenant with the nation of Israel, which is called or referred to as the Old Testament. And when Jesus came, he established a new covenant or a new testament, which is why we call that section of the scriptures the New Testament. Here's what you need to understand. The New Testament did not begin until after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when we're in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and when we're in the chapters that are before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, even though you're in the New Testament in the portion of your Bible, we're actually technically still under the Old Covenant. We're under the Old Testament, which is why we see Jesus fulfilling all of the laws of the Levitical priesthood. We see him fulfilling all the laws of Moses because we're still under that Old Testament or Old Covenant system until the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which Hebrews refers to as a reformation and a New Testament, a better testament is given in the blood of Jesus Christ. With that said, and I'm saying all that for this reason, salvation has always been the same. But there were some differences between Old Testament salvation and New Testament salvation. Let me just be clear about a couple of things. We are not dispensationalists. So we do not believe that there are different gospels and different salvations. Dispensationalists will teach that in the Old Testament, people were saved by works. In the New Testament, people were saved by grace. In the end times, they'll go back to being saved by works or whatever. The Bible does not teach that, and we do not believe that. Salvation has always been by grace through faith. The Bible is very clear about that. They'll say, oh, no, no, we're in the age of grace, but back then, you know, that was the age of the law or the time of the law. Well, here's the problem with that. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's in the book of Genesis. The Bible tells us that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That's the exact same way. You say, how did Abraham get saved? The same way you and I got saved, by believing. You say, then what is the difference between Old Testament salvation and New Testament salvation? Now, please understand this. Today, in the New Testament, or under the New Covenant, you and I get saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and calling upon Him for salvation. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We call upon the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, and we are saved not of works. In the Old Testament, they also called upon the name of the Lord. There's lots of examples of that. I'm not going to give you a whole list of that, but let me just give you one. Go to Genesis real quickly, Genesis chapter 4. In the Old Testament, you say, how do people get saved in the Old Testament? They got saved the same way that you and I get saved in the New Testament, by calling upon the name of the Lord. Genesis 4.26. Genesis 4.26 The Bible says, and to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Notice what the Bible says, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. That's the exact same wording we find in Romans 10, when it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the New Testament, we call upon the name of the Lord. Now, what's the name of the Lord? Jesus Christ. 
In the Old Testament, they called upon the name of the Lord. And in that sense, Old Testament salvation is New Testament salvation. It's the same thing. It's both by faith and by calling upon the name of the Lord. Here's the difference. Here's the, the major difference. The major difference is this, that in the Old Testament, go to Acts real quickly if you would. Acts, I think you already went to Acts. I, I meant to ask you to keep your place there, but go, go back there, Acts chapter 4. In the Old Testament, they did not know the name of Jesus. And in the Old Testament, they did not necessarily know all the details about how it is that Jesus was going to pay for their sins. So there is a difference between Old Testament salvation and New Testament salvation. And let me just kind of explain those because I want to make sure you understand this. It's the same salvation. And the two major characteristics of salvation are the same in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It's by faith, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And it's by calling upon the name of the Lord all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, we're told to have faith in your heart and call upon the name of the Lord. You say, then what are the differences between the salvation of the Old Testament and the New Testament? Here are the differences. In the New Testament, you and I, by faith, look back at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection. Here's the thing. You weren't there. I wasn't there. We didn't physically, we're not eyewitnesses of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, you and I look back on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and put our faith or trust in that, call upon Jesus for salvation. In the Old Testament, what they did was they looked forward in faith. Not understanding all the details, not knowing all the details, not knowing that the name of the Savior was Jesus Christ, not knowing all the details of the death, burial, and resurrection, which is why the apostles here, the Bible says, they understood none of these things, and this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. They didn't know all the details, but let me tell you something, the apostles were saved because of the fact that they were looking forward realizing that a Messiah was coming and that Messiah was going to redeem them from their sins. Did they know who that Messiah was? No. Did they know his name? No. Did they know all the details? No. But they were still, by faith, looking forward and calling upon the Lord. Now, you and I call upon the name of the Lord and his name is Jesus Christ. Today, in order for people to be saved, they must call upon Jesus for salvation. Acts 4.12, are you there? Look at it. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Look, salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Today, people cannot be saved without acknowledging and knowing who Jesus is. You say, what about these people that are out in some country somewhere and they don't know who Jesus is? You know, is, is that fair? No, it's not fair. That's why Jesus has given us the ministry of reconciliation that we might bring the gospel to them. I remember years ago, those of you, most, many of you, most of you know my story, but for those of you that don't know, I was born in Venezuela. And my family moved here when I was four years old. Been here pretty much my whole life. And years ago, my, uh, my cousins, my aunt, my cousin um, had came from Venezuela to, to stay with us for a little while. And I, I was a teenager, I don't know, maybe 14 or 15 years old. I remember I was out soul winning with my cousin, 
who was, I don't know, he was maybe 17 years old. We're out soul winning together, and he'd literally just gotten here from Venezuela. Like, like he'd only been here for like a week. And I remember we were out soul winning, we were knocking on doors, and uh, I, some older person, they, they answered the door, and I asked them, you know, I said, hey, we're coming from so-and-so Baptist Church, wanted to give you a family invitation to church. Do you know for sure if you die today, you're on your way to heaven? They said, no. I, I said, well, you know, the Bible says you can know for sure. Can I show you? They said, sure. I began to go through the gospel. I was explaining the gospel to them, and this person began to get really agitated. And they got really, they just, they didn't really believe the gospel. And, and what they said to me, they were like, I can't believe that. I can't believe. If I believe that, then I would have to believe that people, everyone has to believe on Jesus to go to heaven. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm telling you. You got to believe on Jesus. And, and this is what this person said to me. He said, what, what about those people in Venezuela who've never heard about Jesus? And I remember just thinking to myself, and I was just like a 14, 15-year-old kid. And I remember thinking to myself, and I, and I said to this person, well, you know what's funny about that is that I was actually born in Venezuela, and this guy just got here from Venezuela, and we're knocking your door and preaching the gospel to you. So don't tell me about some kid in the Amazon. Look, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You say, it's not fair. Then go preach the gospel to somebody. The point is this. Today, under the New Testament, salvation is by the name of Jesus. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Here's the difference between New Testament salvation and Old Testament salvation. In the Old Testament, they did not know the name of Jesus. So when they called upon the name of the Lord, what name were they calling upon? Jehovah. They were calling the name that was revealed to them. In fact, for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God had not even revealed himself under the name uh, Jehovah, the name Jehovah was not given until the time of Moses when, when God said, I am that I am. You see, well, who did Abraham, because the Bible says that Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. Well, all throughout the book of Genesis, the, they just refer to God as God Almighty. And what I'm saying is this, that in the Old Testament, they still called upon the name of the Lord, but they did not have all the details. So it's the same salvation, by faith, by calling upon the name of the Lord. But in the Old Testament, they called upon the name that was revealed to them. God Almighty, I am that I am, Jehovah. In the New Testament, we call upon the name of the Lord by the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We call upon the name that's been revealed to us now in the New Testament because we've been given more details. I just want to explain that because I think sometimes people get really confused about salvation. What about salvation in the Old Testament, New Testament? Let me just give you a couple more thoughts and then we'll get into the story about the blind man. When Jesus came to this earth, there were different types of people regarding salvation. There were some people, when Jesus came, when he was born, there are some people that were already saved under the Old Testament covenant. How did they get saved? They got saved by calling upon the name of the Lord. Not Jesus necessarily because they're still under the old covenant. They got saved by calling upon the name Jehovah. They were already saved when Jesus showed up, but they did not know about Jesus or understood all the details about Jesus. You say, what kind of people are you talking about? I'm talking about people like the people we studied about when we started the Gospel of Luke. Remember Zacharias? Remember Elizabeth? They were already saved. The parents of John the Baptist? The Bible makes it clear that they were already saved, but they never asked Jesus to save them. Jesus hadn't even been born yet when they got saved. 
What about Simeon? What about Anna? Remember when Joseph and Mary brought the Lord Jesus Christ as a baby to the temple and Simeon grabbed Jesus and said, mine eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. And Anna, uh, she went about telling people about the Messiah. They were already saved. They didn't get saved when they saw Jesus, the baby Jesus. They were already saved under the Old Testament covenant. And here's what you need to understand. There was a transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You say, well, what happened? Did Zacharias and Elizabeth and Simeon and Anna, did they have to get re-saved? No, once you're saved, you're always saved. Say, well, what happened? Here's what happened. Everyone that was saved under the Old Testament covenant by calling upon the name of the Lord, when they died, they went to heaven. Those who were still alive when Jesus showed up, simply as, as truth was revealed to them about Jesus, they just simply accepted it and kept moving forward. They were already saved. Anyone that was already saved all accepted Jesus as their Messiah. You say, how can, how, how can that be? Here's why. The Bible says, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The Bible says, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. So anyone that was already saved under the Old Testament covenant, when Jesus showed up and began his New Testament ministry, they heard the voice of the shepherd and they said, yeah, that's right. They transitioned from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Then there were other people who weren't saved when Jesus showed up, but when he got there, they believed on him. You say, people like who? Like the woman at the well. She wasn't saved when she met Jesus, but she got saved after hearing Jesus. And then there were other people, which were people in the future, or you and I, who lived after the ascension of Christ, and we also get saved, not by seeing Jesus, but by faith calling upon him, looking back on that which was done on the cross for our sins. So I want to just take some time and explain the differences between Old Testament salvation, New Testament salvation, they're the same salvation, but there were some things that were a little different, and there was this transitional period. And here's all I'm saying is anyone who was already saved when Jesus showed up, they just believed what Jesus said. They just continued on. They didn't have to get re-saved. They just heard the voice of the shepherd, and they said yes. Did they necessarily understand it? No, the disciples didn't understand it, but they believed Jesus. After the death, burial, and resurrection, then they got it. Then they understood it, but they did not understand it necessarily at that moment. Go back to Luke chapter 18. So there's just some verses here regarding Old Testament scriptures, Old Testament salvation. I just wanted to take a little bit of time and kind of explain those things. And believe it or not, that's going to give you a little bit of context into what we're going to get into right now, which is the story of the blind man. In Luke 18.35, the Bible says this, And it came to pass... As he, this is Jesus, was come nigh or come near unto Jericho. By the way, here in Jericho, Jesus is going to meet two individuals. We're going to look at one tonight, the, the blind man, and we'll look at another one on Sunday morning, Zacchaeus, who I'm ne- who's near and dear to my heart because he was short. And uh, he was come nigh unto Jericho. A certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by. 
For those of you taking notes tonight, and I always encourage you to take notes, let me just quickly give you some thoughts regarding this blind man. Number one, I want you to notice that the blind man, by others, was not seen. I want you to notice that this blind man, the blind man could not see. But the blind man was also not seen by others. Meaning that he, he was a, a blind man. He was a crippled man. He was a beggar. He was someone that had been there for a long time. Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem. Crowds are thronging him. Crowds are following him. He's healing them. He's teaching them. He's performing miracles and parables. We're going to get to Jerusalem, and there's going to be a big celebration. He's going to come into Jerusalem on, on, on a colt of an ass, and they're going to celebrate him and acknowledge him as the Messiah. The crowds are just getting bigger and bigger as Jesus is going. And as Jesus is going, the Bible says that there was a certain blind man that sat by the wayside begging. He was there on the road as Jesus and his entourage was coming by. He was there on the road begging and hearing because he was blind. He could not see. And hearing the multitude, he heard the crowd. He heard the commotion. He heard the singing. He heard the talking. He heard the parting. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And I want you to understand something that nobody stopped to tell the blind man, hey, Jesus is coming. No one saw him. No one acknowledged him. And if you think about it, it's no different than how most of us treat beggars today. We just kind of walk by. This blind man, by others, was not seen. Now, I understand that most beggars today and most homeless people today are are there because of drugs and all of that, and I get that, and we shouldn't try to... Uh, the Bible says if you will not work, you should not eat. But this man in the first century was not necessarily there because he was lazy. He was there because he was blind. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant, and they told him. He said, what's going on? And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. I'd like you to notice, first of all, that the blind man could not see. But that's not the point that I'm making. I'm not making the point that the blind man could not see. I'm making the point that the blind man was not seen. He was left behind. He was ignored. He was not someone that people thought, hey, you got to know what's going on. It's interesting to me as you study the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that Jesus makes an effort to come to the least and the last and the left out. He comes to those that are objectified. He comes to those that are not uh, important in the eyes of others. See, the point that I'm making about the blind man is not that the blind man could not see. We know the blind man could not see. That's why he's a blind man. The point that I'm making is this, that the blind man, though he could not see, by others he was also not seen. Now, this blind man got excited when he heard that Jesus was there. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. Notice verse 38. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Not only did he cry, but he made a show of it. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace, but he cried, notice the words, so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. 
When this guy heard that Jesus was coming, he got excited. Now, why he got excited, we don't know. But we could probably take a guess, an educated guess. You're there in Luke 18. Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We're told that when people lose a sense, other senses are heightened as a result. So when someone is blind, we're told that their hearing becomes better. When someone can't hear, their eyesight becomes better. When, when you lose a sense, other senses are heightened. That's a true statement regarding your physical body. I think that this blind man, because he was blind, probably got really good at hearing and maybe overhearing and maybe listening. This was a man that sat by the wayside on a road that people often travel to. The reason that Jesus is on this road to Jericho is because he's on his way to Jerusalem. This was a road when we filmed the documentary Beyond Jordan, Pastor Anderson and I literally walked down this road between Jericho and Jerusalem. It was a road that was often used by many people to travel, which is why Jesus, if you remember the story of, of, uh, of the Good Samaritan, he said in that story, though it's a fictional story, he used a real road and talked about a man going down a road from Jericho to Jerusalem. Remember the story? And he fell among thieves. It was a parable, not a real story, but that road is a real road. Jesus is literally on that road right now, on his way to Jerusalem. And this is a road that was often used by people. They're, going, they're making their way to Jerusalem for a great feast called the Passover. So lots of people are going down this road. This blind man is sitting there. He's begging as people walk by, and he's listening. And what do you think people were talking about? They're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, when we get to Jerusalem, the Bible says that everybody was talking about Jesus. They wanted to know if he was going to make an appearance. They were talking about his miracles. They were talking about his parables. They were talking about his teachings. What is it that this blind man heard about Jesus? We don't know for sure, but we can take a guess. He said, what do you think the blind man heard? He might have heard what Jesus said when Jesus launched his ministry in the synagogue in Galilee. Remember what Jesus said when he launched his ministry? Are you there in Luke 4? Remember right after his baptism and his temptation, he goes to the synagogue in Galilee. In Galilee this is his official launch of his ministry, Luke 4, 17. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Jesus opens the book of Isaiah and he begins to read from the book of Isaiah. Here's what he read, Luke 4, 18. This is a quote from the book of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. Notice what he's anointed. This is a prophecy about the Messiah, by the way. Jesus opens the book of Isaiah, getting ready to begin his earthly ministry, finds a passage in Isaiah about the Messiah, the coming Messiah, which he is, and, he's, and he reads these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and, don't miss it, and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. And then Jesus closes the book and he says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. People would have talked about that. 
They, what do you think about that Jesus? He, remember, he opened up in Isaiah and he said that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and to recover the sight to the blind. And a blind man overhearing that would have said, what? Recover the sight to the blind? And then, and then he has the goal to say, this is fulfilled today in your hearing. I don't know. I don't know what he heard about Jesus, but I think he might have heard something like that. Maybe he heard this. Go to Luke chapter 7. Maybe he heard the response that Jesus gave to John the Baptist. Remember when John the Baptist was in prison? And he began to doubt. The doubting Baptist there in prison. And he sends his disciples to Jesus. And he, and he asks the question, Art thou he? Are you the person we're looking for? Or do we look for another? John at a low point in his ministry. Remember what Jesus responds, Luke 7, 22? Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard. Maybe this blind man on the road of Jericho had heard people talk about this story when Jesus tells the disciples of John to go tell John the things that they have seen and heard. What had they seen and heard? Look at it, Luke 7, 22. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor to the poor. The gospel is preached. I don't know what the blind man heard. But I do know this. Whatever he heard, he knew that Jesus could help a blind man. Amen. He knew that Jesus could help him. So though no one had noticed him, though no one had cared about him, Though no one had taken the time to say, hey, blind man, there's Jesus. He heals blind men. Nobody took the time. But as he heard people passing by, as he heard the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passes by. And he responded, Luke 18, 38, and he cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him. That he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Why don't you notice the response of our Savior, verse 40. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him. I just want to stop right there and just say this. Aren't you thankful that Jesus always takes time for the least and the last and the left out? No one took time for this blind man, but Jesus did. Let me say this, and I won't take the time to, to go run all the verses. All throughout the Bible, we're told that God is no respecter of persons. It's interesting to me, and as we study these stories in their context, as we're moving our way through the Gospel of Luke, I think one of the beautiful things about studying these stories is not just that we study these stories, but we study them in their context. And the context of this story is that we just saw Jesus. We just saw Jesus this morning in the Sunday morning service. We spent the time to study the fact that Jesus take, took his time and spent his time with someone that we would all think Jesus would spend time with, a rich, young ruler. But tonight we see that Jesus did not only take time to talk with a rich, young ruler, he also took time to talk with this old, poor beggar. Because he is no respecter of persons. He came for the least... And he came for the last, and he came for the left out. Which is why Jesus said, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. 
which is why Jesus said that the least will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said those that are forgotten, those that are objectified, those that people leave out, those that people tell them to be quiet, those that people tell, rebuke him and tell him to hold his peace, Jesus said, command him to be brought unto me. So though, though the blind man by others was not seen, I want you to notice that Jesus saw him. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Jesus is no respecter of persons. And I'm thankful that he saw him, and I'm thankful that he saw a little four-year-old kid in Venezuela and got him saved too. I want you to notice, secondly, tonight, not only do we see that the blind man who could not see and was not seen, I want you to notice, secondly, that the blind man saw something that the others did not see. The blind man who could not see was not seen by others. But what's interesting about the story is that this blind man who physically could not see saw something that the others did not see. Notice Luke 18.38. And he cried, saying, Jesus, notice this phrase, thou son of David, have mercy on me. You say, Pastor, why would you, why would you just, you know, you, you, you don't know that he heard about Jesus preaching in the synagogue of Galilee, reading out of the book of Isaiah. And you're right. That is my opinion. I don't know that he heard that story. But here's what I do know. He had heard enough to know that Jesus was the Messiah. Because that term that he used, Jesus, thou son of David, is a messianic term. It is a title used only for the Christ, the Messiah. Let's run a few verses. Let me show that to you. Go to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. Look at verse 9. If you go backwards, you have Luke, Mark, Matthew. I don't know how he knew that. I don't know where he got that from. But I know this. When they said Jesus passed by, he said, that's the Messiah. That's the Christ. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. That phrase, son of David, is a messianic term, Matthew 21. Look at verse 9. Notice what the Bible says. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, this is Jesus in Jerusalem on what is referred to as Palm Sunday. Notice what they said. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Why did they, call, why did they say Hosanna to the son of David? Here's why. Because the son of David is a messianic term. It's a term used for the Messiah, the coming Christ. Go to Matthew 22, look at verse 42. Matthew 22, verse 42. Here Jesus is asking a question. Notice what he says, Matthew 22, 42, saying, this is Jesus asking. He says, what think ye of Christ? The, the word Christ is a title which means Messiah. I won't take the time to run the verses, but it's all throughout the New Testament. It's very clear. The New Testament itself tells us Christ, which being interpreted is Messiah. That's what it means. People think that was Jesus' last name or something. You know, Jesus Christ. No, it's a title. It means Messiah. The, Jesus asked the question, what think ye of Christ? He said, what do you think about the Messiah? Notice the question. Whose son is he? They say unto him, the son of David. See, the son of David is a messianic term. Why? Because David was the king of Israel that was promised that through his lineage would come the Christ, the coming Messiah. And Jesus was the descendant of David. He was the son of David. And I want you to understand something, that this blind man, for some reason, 
Though he could not physically see, he saw something. He saw that Jesus was the son of David. That Jesus was the Christ. That Jesus was the Messiah. Now compare that to what the others saw. The blind man who could not see saw that Jesus was the son of David. You know what the other people saw? Well, look, look at it. Luke 18, 36. And hearing the multitude pass by, he, the blind man, asked what it meant. Remember, he asked, what's going on? Notice what they said, verse 37. And they told him that Jesus, the son of David. Is that what it says? Jesus of Nazareth passes by. It's interesting to me. Jesus passed by. The blind man says, who passed by? They didn't say Jesus the Christ. They didn't say Jesus the son of David. They said Jesus of Nazareth. That's a plain term. That's a normal term. It's just telling us where he's from. You want to know who passed by? Jesus of Nazareth. The blind man said, that's not just Jesus of Nazareth. That's Jesus the son of David. That's Jesus the son of God. That's Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. We talked about it for a little bit before the service, before, before we got into the, the story, Luke 18, 31. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning, here's another term used for the Messiah, the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted upon, and they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again, and they understood none of, those, none of these things. It's interesting that the apostles were not able to identify the Old Testament passages about the Messiah referring to the task of Jesus Christ. The crowd did not give Jesus the messianic title of Christ or of, uh, of the son of David. They did not see it, but this blind man saw it. We saw number one, go back to Luke 18, or if you're there in Luke 18, look at verse 41. We saw number one, the blind man who could not see was not seen. And we saw number two, the blind man saw something that others did not see. He saw that Jesus was the son of David, while the others just referred to him as Jesus of Nazareth. I'd like you to notice thirdly tonight, we'll finish up, that the blind man caused others to see what they could not see. Look at verse 41. Jesus calls the blind man and he asks him, verse 41, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, What any blind man who's standing before the Son of David would say, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Notice, notice this little phrase, Thy faith hath saved thee. This blind man, you know what he did? He exercised faith. You know what the interesting thing about faith? The interesting thing about faith is that faith cannot be seen. The Bible says, I already quoted this to you, but I'll read it again. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I just think it's funny that the blind man who could not see exercised faith that is not seen. And when this blind man exercised, this blind man who could not see exercised faith that could not be seen, then his faith that could not be seen was seen. 
when he could see. I know I'm using too much of that, but look, look, Luke 18, 43. And immediately he received a sight. The blind man that could not see exercised faith that could not be seen. As a result, he received the sight and followed him, glorifying God. And now the people who had not seen him, who had not seen and identified Jesus, the Bible says, and all the people, when they saw it. Gave praise unto God. It's interesting to me that the blind man that could not see made the people that could see, but had not seen, see. Say, how can that be? Here's why. Because when you and I exercise faith that cannot be seen, then people who cannot see faith see us. This is what the Bible is talking about in James when it says, show me thy faith by thy works. Show me thy faith by thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. This is why 1 Peter 2.12 says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God. This is why the Bible says in Matthew 5.16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Go back to Luke 18, we'll finish up. I just think it's funny that the blind man who could not see was not seen, but the blind man who could not see saw something that the others did not see. And when the blind man who could not see was made to see, everyone else saw what he had seen. It's a beautiful story about salvation. Luke 18, 41, look at it again. Saying, what wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. And immediately he received the sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people. When they saw it, saw what? Saw the blind man's faith, gave praise unto God. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this simple story. This blind man could not see, was not seen, but saw something the others did not see. And Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you that we were those blind men, those beggars, the least, the last, the left out. And when you passed by, you heard our cry. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. We thank you, Lord, for salvation. We thank you for this Simple story that encourages us. Lord, help us to be like this blind man, that our faith may be seen through our lives, that our good works would be something that others will see and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.
We're going to have Brother RJ come up and lead us in a final song. just want to remind you that if you'd like to sign up for the Turkey Bowl, there is a clipboard in the foyer for you to be able to do that. And if there's anything that we can do for you, please let us know.